hey listeners and friends before we jump into the episode this week we wanted to share that this holiday season we'll be gathering with the percy jackson podcast community together for an online event to raise money for an incredible organization the red nation the Red Nation is a coalition of Native and non-Native activists, educators, and students, and community organizers advocating Native liberation. So on December 21st at 7 p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing a live stream on YouTube where we hang out and watch the Lightning Thief 2010 movie. Now, during the stream and afterwards, we'll be encouraging whoever is available to make donations directly to Red Nation or sign up to become a patron for them at therednation.org support. For more information on the Red Nation and the work they do, you can check out therednation.org or listen to the Red Nation podcast, link in bio, and more details to come about the event. But for now, you can keep checking our show notes for links and more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. The Lost Hero, Chapter 35, Leo. (laughs) Leo figured he had the worst luck in the group, and that was saying a lot. Why didn't he get to have the long-lost sister or the movie star dad who needed rescue? Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted. Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. Alrighty, welcome back to Return to Camp Half-Blood. This week, uh, Neve and Ava won't be joining me, but I have three very special guests with me this week to discuss The Lost Hero, chapters 35 through 38, through the theme of... I already forgot the theme because I changed it last minute. The theme is... Relation. Relation. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. I wrote it down. I couldn't find where I wrote it down. The theme of relation. Uh, I am joined by members of the project Our Mythical Childhood. Um, Kimberly McNeil, uh, Robin Diver, and Nancy Santos. And uh, I'm going to have them introduce themselves to you a little bit so you, you get to learn who they are and what they do. So whoever would like to start can go first. Um, always awkward when there's three of you because you don't want to be like the pushy one. <laughs> uh, I guess as I spoke, I'll say, um, hi, I'm Robin. Um, I am, um, well, I guess uh, in America, you'll call me a graduate student. Um, uh, we usually just say PhD here in the UK. Um, but I study um the kind of dark side of Greek mythology in children's books. So I look at how children's books deal with the fact that there's a lot of horrible stuff like rape in particular in um, the original ancient myths. And that's obviously quite awkward. Um, yeah, that's me. And who is your, your godly parent if you were to have one? Um, yeah, it's, it is a difficult question, isn't it? I I am tempted to say Artemis. However, even though she's an animal goddess, the fact that she is also a hunting goddess makes me a bit uncomfortable since I don't even eat meat. So I'm not sure that that's a very good, very good match. So I'm going to be a bit obvious and say Athena, which I feel like if you're like a researcher, it's a really obvious answer, but I'm just going to go with her anyway. Athena is always good. Yes, I love to hear it. I was, I was like, I bet, I, like, my bet was Athena because it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, all right, Kim or Nancy, whoever would like to go. Okay. Okay. Um, are you? <laughs> I, I can if you want. Or are you about to? No, no, no. I was saying, do you want to go for it? Okay, sorry. Um, hi, I'm Kim. <laughs> and um, when I'm not dithering, um, I uh, research into uh, the underworld gods, um, but when they're topside and what effect that has on um, how they're actually portrayed in sort of reception pieces. Um, and I have also um, wrote entries for the Mythical Childhood um, Project um, on the first five Percy Jackson books. 
Mm-hmm. And who would your godly parent be? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's a saying, it's like the trickiest saying. Um, I, I think I'll go with who I probably would like to have as a godly parent. Um, so yeah, Athena, it's, it's, yeah, she's, I mean, I feel like I'm portraying Hades a little bit, but I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> he's the best father figure. Um, yeah, but yeah, Ath- Athena, the original sort of power, power figure for women, I think. <laughs> All right. And last, but certainly not least, Nancy. Um, hi, everyone. Um, so I'm more of an independent researcher. So um, so I'm currently not affiliated with any university. I um, also am a contributor to our mythical childhood. Um, my sort of areas of research that I'm quite keen on is um, video games and ancient history and like, you know, children's media. So, um, you know, a lot about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, um, you know, Hades. Um, the <laughs> So I like looking at more at the, the video game side of things. Um, so, yeah, so, oh, God, my godly parent. I, I think I'd go with Artemis. I've always loved Artemis. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I feel like um, she probably would be my godly mother. Yes. Oh, my God. We'd love to hear it. Also, uh, I don't think the listeners of this podcast know this, but um, I, I'm i a, a media communications and theater student, and uh, I also do a lot of video game research in like queer representation in video games um, is uh, my my Q project. So um, uh, that was just <laughs> really fun to hear. I'm I'm invested in in storytelling in video games as well. Um, so I just thought that, was, <laughs> that I would share that. <laughs> um, oh that, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, can you all talk to me a little bit about what? our mythical childhood is and the work that you did with that before we jump into to the the material this week? Um, yeah, so it's an international um, project where they put together an online database um, looking at mythical references in um, children's literature. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's a fantastic thing, um, sort of, um, analyzing a text or a, a video game or of course film or board games, really the whole kind of plethora of what is covered by children's literature. Um, so <laughs> lots of like interdisciplinary um, work has been going on. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I came across the, the project online. I, it was referred to me by one of our listeners was like, this is something you should look into. And I did, and I, I honestly, I spent a couple hours that, that night, like just like going through, there's so much, I will put like the links in the bio to like read all, all the research and all the, the work that has been done that is, is available to read because it's so fascinating. If you are interested in this podcast, this is like exactly stuff that you, would be interested in looking into. It's very cool work. And it's like anything, I feel like anything that has to do with with children or youth uh, is important. Um, Cause uh, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast, how the, the media and literature that uh, children consume is important to analyze and look at and see what we're, we're presenting to the, the youth <laughs> uh, and that's the premise of this podcast is looking back at the the content that we consumed <laughs> in our childhood and and finding the meaning behind that so yeah it's like sorry no yeah you go ahead I was just gonna say because it's almost like how it's consumed is as important as like even the ancient texts it's how it's actually sort of understood and and, and taken now and how people sort of um I know bond is the right word, but kind of see themselves reflected or, you know, sort of, yeah. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool you found us that way as well, because I always wonder about how people actually kind of find um, this stuff and like find us um, online. Um, so yeah, um, that's great. I'm, I'm like, 
I'm learning all about search engine optimization at the moment. So I just like have all these like weird thoughts about um, kind of Google rankings and stuff floating through my head whenever this is discussed. All right. So the tradition of our podcast is that when we have guests on, one of the guests uh, gets to uh, summarize the chapters for us in, it used to be 30 seconds uh, because when we did the, the original books, but now that, that we're consuming more, more content each week, we have 45 whole seconds. Um, so do one of you want to brave the 45 second recap? Or do one of you want to throw someone else under the bus to do it? I mean, Kim has kind of looked into it. <laughs> I just feel like I've already been like, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm happy to if... if Go for it. Um, <laughs> Okay, yes. um, so all, we've, all had, we've, yes. we've had some very bad ones before. So like the bar wow. is on, the bar is on the floor. So you wow. don't okay. So now we know that you're judging. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be one that they write. The, the bar went to the underworld quite appropriately um, with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I will count you in um, it, to start the timer. So three, two. One, go. Okay, um, having the group, having survived the wolf attack, thanks to the um, hunters led by Thalia, um, then um, find themselves um, recovering. Um, and Jason finally gets to know um, a little bit more about his identity and who he actually is and recover some memories. Um, Thalia sort of explains that um, she's, sees his sister and she thought he was dead and <laughs> and she sort of takes him through what happened when he was a baby and how her and his her mother their mother um went out on a day trip no have i run out of time all right time is up oh my god i got to like the first oh. page <laughs> <laughs> I know that that forty five seconds goes very quickly. Oh, Kim just loves it that much. She just wants to talk <laughs> about did. it I so did. much. I did. I I just deep dived. Everyone, hunters I like went to see Aelus. Aelus betrayed them. It all went to pot. That's it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think there's a spoiler somewhere there. <laughs> oh dear. I, I, that was a pretty valiant effort. I, I've, I have personally done a lot worse. My biggest problem when I, when I do them is I get caught up on like a small detail that's like irrelevant. A um, couple chapters ago that when they, they go into a fountain to get to Medea's um, mall and I was like, what a weird fountain. And I talked about that for about 30 <laughs> seconds of a 45 second recap because I couldn't figure out the logistics of it. <laughs> but, so, valiant effort, I, I'd say. People have done better, but people have done a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will be providing the one song this week because Neve and Ava are not with us. Um, and in the honor of, it'll be a couple weeks since it's been out when when this podcast uh, is published, but uh, as of recording this, we are hot off the the presses of Red Taylor's version being released. Um, and so in honor of that, I felt the song Nothing New uh, featuring Phoebe Bridgers um, by Taylor Swift uh, really encapsulated um, a lot of the like Jason Talia conversation, the idea of of growing up and uh maybe and also leo's like not feeling like he's good enough um and i mostly just am trying to push a red song in here <laughs> <laughs> and that song was heartbreaking when i listened, <laughs> listened to it on on 
early, early Friday morning. <laughs> so um, our next segment is we are going to discuss things we forgot about these chapters. So um, I don't know when you last read uh, The Lost Hero, but uh, what in going back over these chapters were you like, oh, I forgot that happened. Are we starting that now then? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I had totally forgotten that um, Thalia Talia, I'm not sure how we're pronouncing her name um, here, um, is um, kind of got separated from them um, with the bridge falling apart or melting because of Leo, which actually seems like quite a major plot point. And I remembered a lot of minor details from these chapters. So I was kind of surprised that I forgot the kind of essential bit, arguably. Yeah, I, I honestly had forgotten most of the backstory behind Talia and Jason. I was like, I know that, that their mother gave him up, but I forgot the whole like backstory of their mom and Talia's relationship with her mom. Um, and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I can't believe I didn't remember that. I forgot most of the second half of this book. I have to be honest. Um, but I did the uh, Alice chapters uh, stand out a lot in my mind because something about the whole like world of his palace and the world building of that always stuck out to me. It was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, and I, the like, weather news concept behind him, um, I thought was a very smart uh, framing on, on Rick's part. <laughs> yeah, I really like that part. I think that was one of the parts of this whole book I remembered best, if anything. Absolutely loved just like the portrayal of Alice, just in, in that, it's just like, it's, it's, it's so modern at the same time that like, the way they've done it as well, um, you know, as, as weatherman. <laughs> no, that was just brilliant, a brilliant like, concept. Yeah, I think, I think there's a, Rick is adopting all of these ancient Greek characters into modern day um, figures. And I think sometimes it misses the mark. Uh, but I think in this case, it, it really hit, hit the mark, it, especially after last week. Uh, we, we didn't love uh, the Midas chapters. They didn't feel like he was used per, like well enough. They felt kind of throwaway. Um, and the Medea portrayal is a little problematic. Um, but I, the, the third one <laughs> after that, Third, third time's the charm uh, <laughs> to have a like, oh, okay, this this works, this works well. Is there anything else we forgot? So I, I, I'm a bit on the same boat as you, as in like, I, I kind of, I'm awful for getting people's backstories. So it was a bit refreshing to <laughs> remember. Um, yeah, Italia and Jason, even though they yeah, are two of like, you know, one of the main characters and yeah. I, I'm just really bad for backstories and I, I will most likely forget them and just remind, remember like minor details. So it was, it was nice to um, just, yeah, refresh my mind in that sort of sense. Yeah, it was like the, the biggest thing I remember about Jason's backstory is him eating a stapler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there seems to be online discourse about the stapler thing, but I haven't looked into what it actually is, just uh -huh. that it exists. There is, I think, a lot of online discourse around Jason as a character um, on a lot of levels. <laughs> we, we at Return to Camp Half-Blood are, are not particularly fans of Jason. <laughs> and that, that's where we fall. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to discuss the theme of relation. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, we are back, and we are discussing the theme of relation, and where did we find the theme of relation in these chapters? Um, did, so, I, did I freeze? No, it's, it's okay. So an obvious example would okay. be Jason and Talia's relation, obviously, because they are long-lost siblings and are trying to, you know, reconnect, but it's all a little bit awkward. Then I would say a secondary example would be Leo, because Leo just sort of really wants a girlfriend in this section and is not getting any luck. So... Leah's sort of perception of himself that he needs to have a romantic relationship and also um, just feeling a bit excluded, I think, in general. So sort of social relations as well as romantic ones. Um, And then we have sort of Aeolus, who's a bit kind of narcissistic and not really interested in relations. Like he's just kind of doesn't really care if he kind of offends people and has a ridiculously high staff turnover um, and etc. Yeah, I like I, that you brought up um, the the Jason and Talia thing and the the Leo like right next to each other because I think one of the most striking things about that those chapters is Leo that it's told through Leo's point of view uh, where. Jason and Talia are the the main focus of the chapters, but we we get it in like Leo's relationship to that moment happening, um, and so we see Leo the whole time comparing his own relationships to Jason's. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, don't have this uh so we see how yeah and we yeah and we also see how he's like oh but I did have a better relationship with my mom so maybe like every, I can't base everything off the the good parts I see in someone and he's it's funny because like Leo he's sort of saying how he feels I wish I had a sister, you know, and kind of thing. And he feels kind of disconnected a bit, but I I liked how, um, because of sort of the the experience that they've sort of shared, the three of them, sort of Piper and Jason and Leo, there's a bit where um, they're talking about Jason, the fact that he can fly. And then Leo is saying, oh, can't you do the flying thing? And Thalia is sort of like, you can fly and like it's her brother but she doesn't know this about him but like leo does so he's got that kind of so that they they've gone through like that all the sort of this process and they've become kind of close they've kind of got a brother kind of dynamic going on but this point like leo can't see it because he, he's just got the father kind of in his and um jason brother and sister dynamic and sort of there he, he's sort of not really seeing that actually he knows lots of things about Jason and they are really close. It does put the question, doesn't it? That, you know, as siblings, you know, I think it's quite interesting that probably explores the question of, you know, are siblings really, um, you know, just just by, you know, just because you're from the same uh, parentage or, you know, 
or you're probably closer to someone and you know someone more inside out by friendship, by building that friendship and becoming almost like siblings. Because just because you come from sort of family connection, you really know that person. Well, yeah, like you move away and you grow and you change and you, you yeah. and usually when you go back to your family, I don't know, you slip into that di a different dynamic, a dynamic of like when you were a kid almost. Yeah. And you're almost not like your actual person there often. Yeah. And potentially that person also doesn't see you as like, you know, having grown up and you know, mm. will always see you as like their little sibling. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite interesting. Uh, uh, when you look at it that way. Yeah, I, th I think that's a, th a theme that we see throughout all of these books. And the, the first series, this series, is the idea of like found family versus uh, genetic family and like what how those relationships are different because the they're all demigods, right? They're all children of of gods and goddesses but they don't necessarily have a real relationship with their parents and so like what does that mean when like you technically have you have these parents you have sibling godly siblings that from these parents but those aren't necessarily the people that you consider your family because you don't really have a relationship with them like Leo is saying, I wish I had a long lost sister. He just found his long lost sister in the beginning of this book. Like he found a bunch of siblings that he didn't know he had, mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same because history is a big part of what a relationship is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think the contrast as well, you know, Leo, it's all brand new to, um, the Leo when when he does find his, his sibling, whereas with Jason, there's already yeah again as you mentioned about the history that there was already something even though if Jason doesn't remember it, you know like the stapler incident, you know, and you know like some things that he didn't even know himself, and you know if he had known himself, Leo probably would have known because Leo was also shocked by like stapler, you had a stapler incident, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd also add as well um, that there's like the sort of idea of kind of quite nuanced examination of and critique of the sort of idea of blood family over kind of found family, um, as you said, is actually very much a trend in children's books of Greek myth um, at the moment, um, more broadly. So Rick Riordan is kind of um, very much one of the kind of authors who's following that. And I think is actually is a really interesting thing to look at in these books um and it's quite yeah i i like it as a trend um but yeah a lot of kind of children's books of greek myth are kind of using um the sort of you know like the family of zeus to sort of look at quite toxic even in some cases abusive family dynamics and what that actually sort of means um and yeah it is a trend i i like i find it really interesting to kind of explore in these books yeah and I think I think one of the most interesting things about it for me is because a lot of the myths themselves there are a lot of them that place a heavy emphasis on family and like you see a like a couple myths about parents killing their children and that is like one of the the biggest uh, wrongs in the eyes of the gods in these myths is like Tantalus killing his children and feeding them to to, to Zeus, um, and marriage is is important, but also not in the way that like they are all cheating on each other, but it's still considered sacred. That is still considered your most important relationship. There's a lot of emphasis in these myths on and in like the ancient greek culture there's also an emphasis on like re like respecting the house and respecting the family and um hospitality and that's contrast a lot by that found family narrative 
it's also really interesting in that if you look at how mythology obviously typically kind of demonizes parents for killing um, children, as you said in, for example, the Tantalus um, story. But then if you look at kind of actual historical ancient Greece, they did, I mean, it's very disturbing. To, I don't know if I should even be like trigger warning this before bringing it up in a podcast, but you know, the fact that they abandoned huge amounts of babies that were kind of sickly or the wrong gender or just kind of um, they couldn't afford to take care of right now. Um, and that could have took place on a huge scale in ancient Greece. And then, of course, even with that, you actually get the found family element as well, because a lot of those babies would literally end up with found family in that um, like kind of other people who wanted kids or couldn't have them or just wanted more cynically wanted kind of um, new slaves or something like that would then kind of rescue these babies and adopt them into their households. So the kind of, even kind of ancient Greek culture itself does have a very built-in thing where, first of all, parents, biological parents do not necessarily have your best interests at heart, um, even in terms of your actual survival. And second of all, that, um, yeah, you know, sort of other people can raise you and you can become part of households you have no biological connection to. You also see it a lot also. Um, for example, in like Sparta as well, where, where they would send, you know, like the kids off, you know, to the army to, to grow up. And then you'd find a lot that they pair them up with someone else in the army as well. So you'd create that bond that you probably would be missing growing up um, as a way of like, almost like replacing, I suppose, that the, the bonds that you would have with, you know, your parents and stuff and friends. Quite, yeah, so definitely something, a different um, way to... Um, deal with uh, bonds between like families and other people that aren't you know exactly a family um, I think they just have general in, in general just a different idea of your family and and in this series there's a, a lot of emphasis of a construction of like your identity to do with which gods you're related to but then you see throughout the stories that actually it's a lot of it's the dynamic between the friends actually brings out the, the characters sort of true identity and who they are. Like we've got Piper who's connected to, you know, she, she's obviously her mother is Aphrodite, but that she doesn't feel that sort of, it feels really at odds with how she feels as a person. Um, and it's, it's through having to sort of protect her friends <laughs> That, that that sort of element comes through that relationship of, of using sort of um, the personality traits that her mother's given her, I suppose. I haven't gone completely waffly again, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, do you know what? You're bringing a good point with Piper and, and her connection to her mum. So I, I find with Jason, it, it's it's almost the opposite. Like he, he bases himself a lot, especially in these chapters, he bases himself on his connection with Zeus. Hmm. You know his abilities as well. You feel like you know. I think he kind of forgets who he is as well. He's so focused on trying. Well, <laughs> he doesn't remember who he is in the first place. But I think that becomes his focus rather than on everything. So that he knows that his dad is Zeus at this point, and you know, and as and he doesn't know who he is. So that's all he can remember. That's all he knows. That's all he bases himself on. Whereas I, I find Piper such a strong character. You know, she's like, no, I'm Aphrodite, I'm the daughter of Aphrodite, but I haven't, I don't want anything to do with like, mm. you know, I don't, I don't want to be pretty. I, I don't, I, all the traits that Aphrodite gives her, gives her. I find that really interesting contrast as well. Mm. Yeah, I think there, there's an assumption for like demigods to pick up the like interests and uh like things that their parent stands for when really what they're getting is they're getting powers or or skills or traits of their parent but that doesn't mean that they even have to use them or have to believe what they believe especially like in, that's why i always find have found piper so interesting is because she she has these these skills and this and power she has the charm speak that she she gained from her her mother but she doesn't adopt 
any of the same values necessarily that her mom is like the symbol of. I think she also kind of tries to find her own version of Aphrodite that she's a bit more comfortable with um, in this book and some of the others, which is also quite interesting because you get um, sort of her sort of mean girl half-sister who's also a daughter of Aphrodite who has a very sort of stereotypical person making fun of Aphrodite on the internet sort of idea of what Aphrodite is and what her sort of domain is and Piper sort of trying to find like positive elements and not fall into that stereotype of what the sort of love beauty and sex goddess necessarily represents and if I remember rightly, Aphrodite is kind of okay with that and sort of seems to see it as quite nice that Piper's trying to explore kind of other aspects of her. Yeah, I think <laughs> that that is just like really embodies what is a god, but what we think a god is, you know? That's the whole thing around like, logical, religious, or uh, any sort of figure like that is they're really whatever we believe about them. And it's very personal. And I think it has something interesting to say about like faith and, and belief and like your God, your higher powers are whatever that you personally need them to be. At least, and I, that's a value that I, I have personally, where it's like, it really just like is whatever you want it to be because it, it's personal. Spirituality and religion and belief is personal. And why not relate that back to yourself? Um, and I feel like that, that's a lot what Piper does is like Aphrodite is a god, so she can be whatever Piper needs her to be. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have much, I feel like that was like the, the highest, that was like so profound, I don't have much to build on from that. <laughs> okay. I do have, it, I, it's a like, slight change, but I, I do have a little bit of, a, of, a, of one that I found really interesting now that we found, well, we've talked about all these deep connections and deep relations, and I think comparing, comparing to everything, it was really interesting to see the relation between Aylas and his assistant, is it, oh, I can't pronounce it, Melly? Melly, yeah. yeah. Melly, yeah. And that, that actually made me laugh a little bit because she's only been his assistant for like 12 hours. Mm. And whereas you've got like these really deep and like strong connections and relations, you then have on the flip side, Ailis and his assistant, who, the, the relationship between the two, who she's been his assistant for 12 hours and more than like, and, and you know, that's it. You know, they come in, and then she goes with them. <laughs> yeah. and, and her alliance automatically changes to, you know, almost like in, it's like in very small time. Like, um, so, so yeah, you've got like these really deep connections with, with, you know, Leo always being faithful to Jason and you've got Piper as well. They're, you know, his, his uh, strong arms. And then you have the relation of Elis with, uh, Melly and Melly is quite happy to be like, well, you just fired me. Well, I'm I'm off, and you know I'm going to join you guys. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it speaks a lot to how like shallow relationships can be as like impactful in with what happens to you and how you go about life as your deep relationships because it's a very shallow short relationship. But also, if she wasn't his assistant, she would never end up leaving. So it's. It's all, yeah. That's uh, that's just a great point. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just it's yeah. I, I just thought it was quite interesting that you, you know in the same chapter you get like well, same chapters you get like both like really deep and, and meaningful relationships. And, you know, like one forever. And yeah, just they're really short. You know, life changing because they are. <laughs> but um, yeah, relationships that just very quickly end <laughs> on a whim of a god. I think that's also the relationship that 
Aeolus has with his own superiors as well, though, which he kind of arguably then is sort of kind of a trickle down thing where so Aeolus takes orders from, you know, the sort of Olympian gods, and he's obviously quite stressed about having to fill their unreasonable demands all the time. Um, you know, where sort of Demeter and Poseidon and everyone else are just kind of sending him all these conflicting instructions and obviously don't care whatsoever if it's kind of stressful for him or he is not like happy in this situation. And I think he kind of treats his assistants a bit like his own superiors in a sort of divine hierarchy treat him. There's kind of bad working relations going on on like multiple levels here. It does feel it does feel like um, with that with that little bit. Again, it's another type of relation that you get more of a hierarchical hierarchical relation rather than a, a bond like an emotional bond or some sort of historical bond. You have a yeah, I'm your boss. <laughs> You're gonna do what I'm telling you. Or, and and yeah, well, then there's uh, obviously they, they never want to be by your side or fairly scared of him or you know if they don't do what he tells them he freezes them so you know <laughs> and yeah. i'm assuming riordan likes that theme because he then has like that's basically what the entire trails of apollo series is about all right we are going to move to sass moments so uh if I'm going to try and take a minute and find my quote. <laughs> so if anyone has a quote ready, feel free to go. I do. <laughs> I managed to remember it. My favorite one was, was so, so during the stage episode uh, incident bits, I absolutely love Coach Hedge just like saying, um, just saying, Snipless, an excellent source of iron. <laughs> that's a good one that did make me chuckle a little bit <laughs> uh, my moment is uh, page 414 uh, Aeolus laughed and looked incredulously at Melly. demigods be killed did I order that Melly checked her computer tablet yes sir 15th of September storm spirits released by the death of Typhon, Typhon demigods responsible etc yes general order for them all to be killed <laughs> <laughs> something about the like the the businessness of of murder <laughs> all right do does anyone else have one or i i can't find the exact one but it made me check where um leo sort of um says someone give me hypothermia i want a parker and hot chocolate just, you know, and that you can sort of the eye rolls are audible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our last thing we do here is every week we give an offering for one of the characters who really like we felt did something special this week. We personally like connected to. Um, we think needs a shout out. Um, so, and then we also vote someone off who did terribly. <laughs> so, um, would anyone like to give the first offering? I would give an offering to Thalia or Talia um, because I really liked her in these chapters. Um, I liked the sort of addition of the new backstory to her that we didn't get. Um, originally I felt like her character was sort of deepened out from series one a little bit I also just really felt for her because it's kind of it's just quite sad because it seems like her childhood was she sort of had this idea that she was going to be this really sort of cool protective big sister who was going to like love and look after her baby brother and she has this like quite not great mum who sort of messed everything up and it's obviously really messed um Talia up that she's kind of lost Jason and she feels responsible and also now that they're kind of trying to reconnect it's just really awkward and possibly she had kind of a more idealized version in her head of how that should go so yeah I felt bad for her. I can give my next, my next for Melly um, because 
I I think what she did is hard. It's hard to uh, stand up for what you believe in, especially in a workplace uh, structure like that, like this is, if you can call it such. <laughs> um, but it's hard when you're you're in a situation in which you're in a, a, a hierarchical relationship and there's consequences to your actions like this. And she she leaves because that's what she agrees with. And that's not the easiest thing to do. Um, so I'd like to give her an offering for that. And I would like to, to take that, that lesson with me as well. I think I'd just, my one would go, go to Leo. In spite of everything, I, my heart does go, go to him. You know, he, he has had quite a, a bit of a tough time. And I think he's still trying to find his feet. And he is a teenager in the end. So letting his emotions get the best out of him, just like, you know, him always thinking about relationships. And, you know, I kind of all, I, my heart does go, feel, go a little bit, but I also do think he needs a, a little bit, um, again, maturing probably, maybe, like, you know, like finding out that, you know, actually he does have, as we mentioned earlier, he does have siblings and all that. So I, I, I feel like, you know, he, he needs to he needs bring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna go with Leo because I, 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 I just you can see he's he's always so nervous about where he he is in the group and what he has to bring to the group, and he actually has a lot. He's not he's much more than just the kid with the dragon that broke. Um, and then all these little things go wrong, like when he starts a, when he melts a bridge and he's just <laughs> he just can't catch a break. So. I just feel like he needs a little coach. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, precisely that. Yeah. All right, and then with those lovely sentiments, we also have to vote some people off <laughs> this week. So, who do we think did bad this week? My first thought would be Alice. I kind of. <laughs> You want to throw him out, but at the same time, I'm kind of like that he has given them a chance and kind of wants to see how it plays out, how things play out. But I, I kind of look, you want to throw him out, and also like one of the I can't remember his name now, but one of the wings guys that was really annoying. That kept the, the one that wanted Piper a lot, and I can't remember his name right now. Oh, yes, oh. And I, yeah, one of Kamei's and Zitties, isn't it? Zitty, yes. It was Zitty. It, 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 I think his name is Zitty because he really annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but although, like, throwing him out probably wouldn't work because he'd probably just like. <laughs> uh, you go first. <laughs> I can't particularly think of anything specific that he did wrong these chapters. But I feel like Jason can take a seat. <laughs> <laughs> He's just never quite doing enough. Can and also do always doing too much. <laughs> I think the character that probably... I, so no one strongly annoyed me in these chapters. If I, like, force myself to think about who like came closest to annoying me it would probably be Leo but I'm not going to vote him off because of the reasons that Nancy and Kim just said it just feels a bit mean because this chapter is just sort of him feeling bad for himself um so I'm also gonna go with ZTs because yeah ZTs is just a bit of a dick in general and he's not it's not he doesn't really have any likable characteristics he's just bad <laughs> I, I'm gonna go for Coach Hedges, who decides to try and like have a romantic connection whilst they're trying to not die. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. I'm just gonna sort out my love life. <laughs> Call me. Well, if we survive, that is. You know. So yeah, mine is Coach Hedges. It's supposed to be a teacher, and um, it's failing miserably. So yeah. <laughs> 
Alrighty, folks. Thank you all for listening this week. Join us next week where we will be discussing chapters 39 through 44. I know six chapters next week, but they're short. That's why we're doing six uh, through the theme of odds. Uh, You can follow us on at return to camp anywhere. You can check us out on uh, ko-fi.com if you want to give us a little tip uh, to help us keep going. Um, and most importantly, thank you all for joining us this week. Kim, Robin, and Nancy, I had such a great time that you're here. I'm great that we can finally make it work. Is there anything that you would like to plug for the listeners to find any more of you? If <laughs> Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. Um, yeah, it was a really fun time, and it's good getting to kind of discuss. I think the, like the nuances of like kind of these texts that I look at in my um, research, anyway. Um, but yeah, um, if you'd like to talk to me on Twitter about Percy Jackson or my kind of research topic, which is um, vaping children's books of Greek myth, um, I am at Robin Diver Twenty Two. And I have also um, written a piece on um, adaptations of Medusa and how modern day children's books have a kind of problematic thing where they create this book, this competition between Medusa and Athena for who is the better woman that isn't really in the ancient myth. Um, so the URL for that will be in the description. Thank you. Kim or Nancy, is there anything that you would like to plug? Yeah, next. Um, thank you for having us as, again. As um, as Robin said, it, it, it has been really good fun. It's um, yeah, it took a while, but I, I'm really happy that we managed to get there in the end. I um, I also have Twitter. Um, I'll have to dig it out <laughs> at some point. But um, I yeah, you can find more of me. I'm currently writing a uh, book chapter for academic publication that's coming out next year where I'm looking at women in video games in an ancient history context. So I'm specifically looking at the Assassin's Creed series um, and how women are portrayed essentially and also a little bit into the back um, backsides of things. So like the Ubisoft as a company and also the gamers themselves. So I'm doing a little bit digging on that. And I think that's coming out next year. Well, that's a bit, but um, yeah, it's... Um, it's, it also has has really some really awesome chapters on more video games and women and in an ancient historic setting like Tomb Raider and all that. So um, really fun uh, book that's coming out soon. No, I just want to say thank you, yeah, for having us. And um, I don't have anything particularly personal to plug. Um, but yeah, look at our mythical childhood project. Um, I don't know the website, but you'll have the link at the (laughs) podcast. All right. Yeah, I will put all all their information down in the show notes so you can check that out if you want. And thank you again for listening. Bye. Bye.